You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. We've been, these last couple of weeks, um, finishing off a series that we started earlier in the year called The Shocking Statements of Jesus. And last week, we looked at uh, the advantages of gouging out your eye and cutting off your wrist, uh, cutting off your hand. And uh, if you think that sounds a bit weird, then you can by all means go back and have a look at last week's message where Jesus talked about indeed those uh, very strange actions and This morning, it's only going to get weirder, so I'm so glad that you've taken the opportunity to be with us, and uh, I really do want you to track with us through this next 30 minutes or so together, because I think it's going to help you, because I'm sure that you've been hurt by somebody. I'm sure that you're here this morning, and you felt the pain of living in a world full of people, and uh, sometimes people do the strangest things, don't they? Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you've been misunderstood. Maybe you've been attacked. Maybe you've been slandered. And uh, I've, you know, I don't, I'm not seeking anybody's sympathy. I, I've felt all that. I, I'm sure we've all felt a degree of that. And it smarts, particularly when you don't understand where it's coming from. Particularly when you've made a substantial investment. You feel like you've made a substantial investment into the life of that other person and and now they've turned on you and they've attacked you or they've slandered you. And Jesus said something that I find incredibly, um, incredibly uh, shocking, really. It's one of the shocking statements of Jesus. It's, it's counterintuitive. It runs against the natural flow of the human way of thinking. But perhaps one of the most challenging speeches ever given by anybody, anywhere, was the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus made all these incredibly antithetical, uh, kind of counterintuitive statements. He said, time and time again, you've heard it said, but I say unto you. And what he was meaning by that was this. You believe because you've been taught that life works a certain way. But I'm telling you, the structure of reality works in the, in the exact opposite. That if you want to work with the reality of this world, if you want to work in such a way whereby your life will trend upwards, then the response is not the one that you've been taught. It's the one that I'm now going to teach you. And he said some crazy things like this. He said, anger equals murder. He said, lust equals adultery. And by the way, So did divorce. He went on and said things like, um, eye for an eye, you you can't retaliate. There's not blow for blow. It's not like for like. You've been taught that and you possibly believe that, that if you get hurt, then someone, uh, you need to respond to the same level in in, uh, retaliation. But he has said, no, you've got to respond in grace. And all of these incredibly counterintuitive statements that Jesus made, I think found their peak when we come to the thing that we're going to look at today. Where he gets to the point of the speech in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, and he says, you've heard it said, love your friends. Matthew 5, 43. You've heard it said, love your friends and hate your enemies. Let's just stop there for a moment. Um, It was said, it was not written, God never said, love your 
neighbor or love your friends and hate your enemies. But the religious establishment of the day concluded that if you are to love your neighbor or love your friends, then it only stands to reason that you should hate those who are not your friends, who are not your neighbors. So they added to it. You can't find anywhere in the Old Testament where it says, hate your enemies. Um, But the religious establishment of the day concluded that that was a normal and correct response. So there was a hot topic in Jesus' day. Who is my friend or who is my neighbor? You needed to define it because you had to love them. And if they didn't fall into that category, you were perfectly fine to hate them. And who in this room doesn't have people that they would love to think God validated their hate for those people, right? (laughs) Who wouldn't... Who in this room wouldn't have a category of people and you think, man, you know, I, I hate them. I'm sure God hates them. And I love the fact that God validates my hate for them. And that's what, if you will, had, had happened. And um, Jesus, as we know, answered that really hot topic, that really important question in people's minds, who is my neighbor, by giving the, the parable, and most of you have heard of the Good Samaritan, which was Jesus' answer to that question, who is my friend, who is my neighbor? And of course, he was leading us to the fact that everybody is. So he says, you've heard it said, love your friends, hate your neighbors, but now I tell you, right? Don't worry about what culture informs you. Don't worry about, don't follow your heart. I'm about to tell you the structure of reality. This is the creator of the earth. This is the creator of the universe, and he's about to tell us how to respond to be in, uh, in sync with the reality that he has created. But I tell you, love your enemies. To which some of you are saying in your heart right now, well, that's pretty easy. I don't have any enemies. Fine. <laughs> Fine. Uh, and it's easy to kind of conclude that. But I wonder if there is an individual or individuals, or a category, maybe even more than the point, a category of people that you are suspicious of, that you keep your distance from and have a degree of disdain for because of what they've said, what they've done, who they are, and you feel that you are justified. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Right? Maybe you've done that. God bless them with a brick, you know. <laughs> uh, look, the truth is most of, us, most of us don't even pray for our own family and friends as much as we ought to. Leave alone, pray for our enemies. I mean, who does that? Who prays for the people that have hurt them, uh, that have turned on them, that have uh, basically poked their finger in the eye and dialed a number? Who prays for those people? Jesus says, pray for it. What, this is why it's so important. He, he goes on to say why it's so important that you understand this. More important than you understand this, why it's important to do it. We're going to get real practical in a moment and, and look exactly how you do it. But why this is so important, he says, so that you may become the children of your Father in heaven. Now that's very, very powerful, and let me explain why. Your response... And your behavior is not just about the other person's behavior or the other person's actions. It's about your identity. It's about who you are. 
as a child of God, as if you will, a son or daughter of the king, what kind of reaction is becoming for somebody in your position? Somebody who is of the status that you are, a child of the Father in heaven, a child of the king. Your response to individuals is not about their actions, but rather it's about who you are. And he goes on and he says this, and this is just a little bit annoying, but he says, for uh, he makes his sun to shine on the bad and the good people alike. He gives rain to those who do good and to those who are evil. In other words, he's showing you the indiscriminate grace of God. Don't you sometimes wish that evil people would pay a bigger price than they do? You know, I mean, you're so good and you try so hard and you do the right thing. And there are other people in your world that, that just don't and they seem to be blessed and oh, sometimes it's frustrating. Well, Jesus knew that it would be frustrating. That's why he put that in there. That's why he said that. And note the way he said that. Did you pick up the, the, uh, the, um, the order of the words? I'll point it out. You might have, might have missed it. Because he says, the sun shines on the bad and on the good. So he mentions the bad first, then the good. Then he says, the rain on the good and then the evil. The, the good come first, the evil second, then the evil. And what's he doing? Why is he mixing up the order there? What he's doing is he's showing you the indiscriminate grace of God. How incredibly profound and encompassing God's grace is. Evil, good, good, evil. And then he reaches into a category. We're talking about, I mentioned categories of people that we are suspicious of or we don't like. Or we feel that you know, God's okay if we um, hate them because they're the enemies of God. He grabs a category that is commonly understood to be despicable in the culture. He says, why should God reward you if you love only the people who love you? Even, and he grabs that category, the tax collector does that. And of course, the tax collector in that culture was the lowest of the low. Uh, he was guilty of treason. He sold out his nation to a foreign power. He was stealing Jewish currency, if you will, and passing it to the, uh, uh, to the empirical powers of Rome. So if you were a tax collector in that culture, you were considered scum, the, the lowest of the low. And, and Jesus is pointing to a category that they all thought God hated. They all thought God hated tax collectors because we hate tax collectors. And after all, God loves us. And if we hate them, God must hate them. That was the thinking. And so Jesus grabs that category and he says, you're no better than they if you love people who love you. And if you speak only to your friends after church is finished. Oh, no, I added that bit in, sorry. If you speak only to your friends, uh, have you done anything out of the ordinary? For even the pagans do that. He says, you must be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, that is shocking. Some of you right now are possibly thinking, oh, look, that's for the A-class Christians. You know, that's for Billy Graham, right? That's for the grieved, the missionaries, right? They're for people who are like, they're real Christians, you know. I'm in the remedial class, you know. <laughs> I mean, if, if I can get home without giving anybody the bird who cut me off, or like, I think I've done all right, you know. I, I, I've made some advancements. 
This whole business of loving your enemies, <laughs> that's, surely that doesn't apply to me. You know, I'm just a junior Christian. I, I'm just still trying to figure it out. <laughs> the problem, of course, we have here is that when you um, think God dislikes the people that you dislike, you've just created God in your own image that is idolatry. That's a bad thing to do. That's the very thing that Saul, who you probably know better as Paul, had done. When Paul was moving around as Saul persecuting Christians, he thought he was doing God a favor. He thought God is on my side. God hates them because I hate them. The minute you start to conclude that God is on your side, You've just made God into your image. And what you have to recall is that we are made in, in his image and being transformed into his image. We are to change into his likeness. Don't change God into your likeness. <laughs> That's very dangerous. Uh, I, I sometimes wonder if we see this in degrees, uh, limits, if you will, um, you know, it's kind of like, well, okay, I accept that business, you know, love those who you know, hate you, blah, 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 to a point, you know, it's, it's, it's degrees. I think sometimes we take Jesus' teachings and, and we say, okay, to a point, he's right, but only to a point. For example, um, a little one comes home from school. Let's just say you've got a little, I don't know, grade three or four or whatever. They come home from school and they're angry with this boy or this girl you know, in, in, the, in the playground who called them a bad name. And they're upset. They come home, they're crying, and they say, I hate little Johnny. He's so mean, right? And what do you say? You say, oh, now, come on. You know, little Johnny might have been having a bad day. Let's pray for little Johnny. You know, Jesus says pray for those, so we're going to pray for those. And uh, come on, it, it'll be okay. Uh, and you can kind of accept that amongst children, Right? But I reckon we sometimes think you've got to draw the line somewhere. Uh, it can apply to my children. It can apply to the people who I hurt. <laughs> but stuff that's happened to me, I get a bit of a leaf pass here, right? I go, come on, Jesus, you don't understand my story here. If you understood my story, there are some things that are unforgivable. There are some things that people should and did know better, but they chose to do it anyway. They understood what they were doing. They knew what it was all about. They knew when they went to Victoria and came back and told lies, they knew what they were on about. <laughs> there are some things that are unforgivable in our society today. And I think we have this kind of continuum, and I throw that in, but of course, I could put in a whole bunch of other more serious stuff that may have happened to you personally, and you, you will say things like, yes, I will tell my child to pray for those that have called them a bad name in the playground, but what happened to me? What such and such did to me? No, I'm sorry. I can't. I just have to hate. What we have to do is get rid of this of this continuum, right? This, this, well, that's, that's okay because that's a minor infraction, so we can forgive that. You know, that's a medium infraction, but may, maybe once or twice I'll let, let that go. 
But that is unforgivable. And I think we all have this somewhere in our minds and somewhere in our hearts. And that's got to go. So the question that we've got to answer in the next few minutes is how does that go? How do you get rid of that? Because that's incredibly human, right? It's very, very normal. And you could support an argument and you could get people on side. Jesus has come right out in a sense and said, no, no, that's not the way the world works, really. That's the way you've been taught the world works. That's the way you believe the world works. But it's conspiring against you. Because it's not the way the world works. So what, what does it mean? How, how do you love your enemies? Well, let me tell you what this is not, all right, as we define it. Let me explain to you what it isn't. That's going to help us understand exactly what it is. Uh, Jesus isn't saying being a door, be a doormat, right? So he's not saying if you wake up tonight and someone's broken into your house and they're you know, foraging around to steal your goods, you don't wake up and say, oh, g'day, how you going? I put the kettle on while I show you where the jury is, right? He's not saying that. It, 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 this is not just you know, roll over and be a doormat to anybody who assails you. Christianity is not a weak ideology. Christianity is, a, in fact, a very strong ideology. Christianity is for the strong, folks. Um, or Christianity will make you strong. Don't put your heart in the hand of the dysfunctional person. That's called codependency. That's not called Christianity. I'm going to suggest this is what he's saying to you, and you might not either comprehend this or agree with it, and that's okay. All I'm going to ask is that you give me 10 minutes before you cut me off, all right? I'm going to put this out there. Before you go, nah, that's rubbish, just give me 10 minutes Uh, work with me for 10 minutes and then conclude whether or not uh, this is rubbish and I'll give you a little bit of respect if you can at least work with me for a bit. But I'm going to suggest what Jesus is saying is this. Don't make people objects. Don't make people objects. Now before you say, oh rubbish, that's not what he's talking about or I don't do that, just work with me here for a little bit. I'm going to suggest to you that the natural inclination of the human flesh is to objectify people. I'm going to suggest to you that you have to objectify people to hate them. And that you and I objectify individuals and groups of people all the time. And Jesus has told us not to do it. Let me explain to you how it happens. I'm going to take you on a journey really quick and show to you, maybe you can see yourself along this line and say, yes, I can see your point, that's happened to me, the pathway of, of objectification, is that it starts by getting hurt. Um, we've all been let down, we've all been treated unfairly, unjustly, and you've had to carry the burden of that. And you, you um, quickly can conclude that those people are not for me, uh, or those people can't be trusted. Uh, I'm going to have to put some gaps or some space between those people, that person, that group and myself. And you go from being hurt or upset and it culminates in bitterness, maybe even depression, anger, uh, because they had no right to do that. They had no right to say that, no right to behave in that manner. And I am completely justified in my anger 
towards them. I'm owed now and I want to be paid. You move quite quickly, you can move quite quickly from being angry and bitter about what's happened to you and feeling justified to quickly concluding that you are the victim, that I am a victim of this. It's a dangerous place to be. Try hard never to be a victim because it's a small step from being a victim, and this is perhaps the most difficult thing to comprehend. I think most of you probably go, yeah, yeah, okay. Yes, I've been hurt. Yes, I've been angry. Yes, I felt like a victim. Probably everyone is tracked with me to this point. I think the next step is where uh, some of you might fall off because I think it's a small step from being a victim to feeling superior. Um, and let me explain to you how that kind of works. Uh, I'm better than you. I'm more virtuous than you. I have a higher ethical standard than you. You're all about yourself. I'm about others. Uh, you start to put that person beneath your level. And this is where danger starts to erupt. Because um, you're manipulative and I'm virtuous. Once you've adopted this position where you are better than that person, you are morally superior, uh, ethically above them. You think you're more moral than, than they are. You've made a value judgment. And you know what the next step is? The next step is you label them quite easily. You, can talk, call, you, you come up with a name for them. Things like, you know, uh, you're an idiot. <laughs> or you're a poor excuse for a human being. You're a poor excuse for a man. You're pathetic. I'm going to label you Pathetic. You pathetic man, you pathetic human, you pathetic woman. Um, you're a basket case. You're a piece of rubbish. Uh, he's a pot-smoking, tattooed, homosexual, cross-dressing towelhead. I made that one up, but you get the idea. <laughs> you, 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 maybe I, I threw a few kind of categories in there just to sort of communicate what I'm trying to say. <laughs> And these ideas, these ideas send the message that I've made a value judgment based on my beliefs and my behaviours. And here's the point. When you label somebody, when you, when you categorise them as, as, a, as an idiot or as a, you know, pot smoking anyway, whatever, you, whatever you've chosen to group those people in, You've just dehumanized them. And when you dehumanize somebody, guess what you do? You objectify them. I've just made them an object. You have to do this to be free to hate them. You know, the, the minute you, you have determined in your heart that um, this person comes under that category, that ethnic group, that political uh, ideology, that uh, uh, um, football team, <laughs> you know, uh, that group, then, then you've said, well, that's it. That's who they are. And can I suggest this to you? Can I suggest we are never going to see people of another faith or another group saved if we've lumped them and dehumanized them into one group? We're never going to be able to... We're never going to be able to reach out to that. That's what Jesus is saying here when he says, love your enemies. 
What he's saying is, don't objectify them, right? Don't become the victim. Don't become morally superior to them and then put a, a label on them. It says, well, they're down there because I'm up here. The minute we think, well, those Califumpians can't be trusted, right? Or those Califumpians, that ethnic group or whatever. We have to humanize people. They have hopes, dreams, hurts. You see, if we identify people by either their beliefs or their behaviors, we do it nine times out of 10 from the point of view of our own manipulation. Let me try to explain this. If I um, say to my family that so-and-so, my sister or my brother is a liar, you know what I'm trying to do, really? I'm trying to get all the rest of the family on my side. Because they're the liar, I'm not the liar. I'm telling this to you because you're not the liar, so I'm gonna try to bring you into my group so we can be against them. When one spouse is... And, uh, says of their, uh, their other spouse, or oh, they're unreasonable to their children. Your father or your mother is unreasonable. What am I doing here? I'm trying to get them on my side, saying, look, you're reasonable, that's why I'm talking to you. I'm reasonable, that's why you, you'll listen to me. But they're unreasonable, and so what I'm doing here, in actual fact, is I'm trying to create a group against them. That's what hate does. So we need a circuit breaker. So what's the circuit breaker here? What are we supposed to do? Jesus gives us something to do here. If you are tracking with me and you can say, yeah, I can see your point. I understand the human, human nature and how this flows and how it works. And Jesus tells us not to do it, that that's not the way the world works, that that's not the, the, the flow or the structure of reality. So you get caught up in this and you'll spend the rest of your life fighting. And when you finish fighting that person, you'll go to another situation and you'll fight that person. And you'll get divorced from them, you'll go somewhere else and you'll fight them and you'll be divorced from them. And you'll leave that church and you'll go to this church and eventually you'll fight with them and you'll have to leave that church. And that's just the way life will go because you are on a pathway, a trajectory that is, that is the wrong pathway, antithetical. It doesn't work with the structure of reality. Jesus is saying, you've heard it said, you've believed, you've been taught, but I'm here to tell you, that's not how God has created stuff. That's not how the world is created. You wanna work with the way things are. You wanna move ahead. You, you, you wanna be blessed. You wanna know what life's about. Then you gotta learn the opposite. And the circuit breaker is love. The circuit breaker to love, I should say, is prayer. And Jesus shows us how to pray in, um, in John 17. We're not going to turn there because we don't have time. But I want to break it into three, um, uh, three topics of prayer. right? Because remember I said before, you, know, you pray for those who hurt you. But most of us really don't pray enough for our own family, our own friends, you know, our pastors, whatever. <laughs> we really don't pray enough for others uh, most of the time. But, but Jesus gives us what to pray for. So maybe you might like to write this down. This could be helpful. This is a circuit breaker, right? This will push you down the right pathway. Number one, he says, uh, pray uh, for their protection. Okay, so they have fears. There are, they have threats. They have things that are rising against them. We need to pray that they will be 
protected and safe. Number two, pray that they might be healed. Jesus says, pray that they might be one. They have divisions in their life as well. They are objectifying people as well. They are putting um, uh, space between them and others in their world as well, as you are. We all are. So we've got to pray for unity. Pray that they would be one. Protect them, heal them. And the third category in, in John 17, we're not turning there for time's sake, is send them. They have a divine purpose. They were born for a reason. And we pray, Lord, may they experience all that you intended for them, the reason and the purpose for their uh, life and their existence here on the earth. What this does, what, what in praying for them, the circuit breaker, why this is so important, it, it's, it's not just for the effect that it will have on them, although I believe it will have an effect on them, it's the effect it has on us. When you pray for somebody, you start to see them from God's perspective. The, the point of view of the Father. Remember Jesus said that you are the Father's child? Uh, you are part of that, the Father's world, the Father's house. When you pray for them, you start to see them as the Father. And speaking to fathers in the house for just a moment, but f- look, for that matter, speaking to mothers or anybody who has children who they love. Um, if, if your kid was caught with drugs, if, if your kid was arrested for a criminal action, you're not going to label them as some kind of junk, junkie, are you? What you're going to say is he's a good boy. She's a good girl. She just got mixed up in the wrong crowd. They're a good person. They're just in a bad environment. And, and I'm going to move heaven and earth to get them out of that environment and get them into a good environment because I know God has a plan for them. I know God has a purpose for them. And I'm not going to rest until I see God's plans and God's purposes come for them. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah? Right. Well, when you pray for someone, you get that perspective for those other people. And that's the circuit breaker that changes everything. When you start to see them as a human, as somebody who has a story just like you have a story, you're free from the bitterness and the anger and the hate. And you're free to see as God sees. And then you start to pray all the more. God, protect them from that wrong environment. God, heal them of their hurts. And God, send them into your purposes. God, protect them from the influences that are around them right now. God, heal them so they don't feel like they have to conform and just go and God, send them. God, your plans and your purposes. We're so desperate to see them move into that. And if you get that heart for every human being in your life, you are aligning your life with the Spirit of God. You are coming alongside the Spirit of, this, uh, of, of God in the earth. Not labeling, not dehumanizing, but starting to understand, starting to humanize, starting to love. You see, 1 Peter 3 9, Peter, who uh, was there at the Sermon on the Mount, um, listening to these incredible words of Jesus, as Jesus 
starts to unfold the structure of existence. What the world is actually made of, and the reason we have chaos and disorder and so much pain in the world is because we are heading down a pathway that is the opposite of the pathway that things were created to exist in. And you know that when you, you, know, you, you, you go against the grain, you know there's going to be um, splinters fly. So Jesus is saying, work with the grain, work with the direction. And, and Peter picks this up in, when, when he writes his, his epistle. Many years later, having been in that moment, Peter, I think with that moment ringing in his ears, writes this in 1 Peter 3 verse 9. He says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Peter is picking up the very theme that Jesus has laid down many, many years earlier. He says, because of this, because as a result of these actions, as a result of you understanding the teaching of Jesus in this area. We're called so that you may inherit a blessing. And who here this morning doesn't want to be blessed? Who here this morning doesn't want the word blessing that means successful? You want to be successful in what you do? Then you've got to understand the structures You've got to understand the way it's been put together. And you've got to work with the way of things. What Peter has just said is that if you understand this concept, if you can grasp this principle and apply it to your life, then you'll be successful in all that you do. Why will you be successful? Because you're working with the grain. You're working with the structure. You're working with the way things are not with the way that you've assumed or been taught or accepted. Peter is saying here, obey and reflect Jesus. Obey and reflect Jesus. Is your best course, your best pathway to a successful life. And whatever that might happen, Success for you might mean, you know, that your family is together or that your, your, your business is, is heading in the right way. It can mean so many different things, that your faith is on track. You want to be blessed? Then understand this. Say, so, okay, Jesus said, don't go that pathway. Why? N- not because you're weak. In fact, because the opposite. Because God's Spirit is strengthening you. Because you go this pathway and you're going to map a way for others to follow. You're going to be the person that others look to. You're going to be the person that you, um, that you look up to and that you respect will be the one that you're becoming. Because the very things that Jesus wrote, and, and I should say spoke, in what we call the Sermon on the Mount are indeed the very structures of the world in which you and when we stand together, we're going to pray.
Father God, I thank you for everybody in this room this morning. And Lord, I just pray right now that your spirit would come into the hearts and minds of every man, woman, and child in this room. Lord, right now we are incredibly aware of your presence. And Lord, when you spoke these words 2,000 years ago, Lord, you were not ignorant of our experience. In fact, Lord, you clearly knew exactly what it was that each one of us have experienced and yet cheered us on, encouraged us to take this pathway. Lord, I pray that as we've shared this morning and maybe a a name or a face have moved across the mind of somebody here, maybe a a group or um, a category has come to our hearts. Lord, I pray for that circuit breaker this morning. Lord God, I pray even right now as we start to just lift them up to you in prayer. Father God, as we just start to pray right now, Lord, for that person, for that group, for that family, whatever it might happen to be, Lord, we just pray, Father God, today that you would send them to your purpose, Lord, that you would protect them and heal them, Father God, Lord, that they would be protected from danger. Father God, that they would be healed, Lord, of their own uh, brokenness and their own issues, Father God, and that they would be sent into the purposes and plans. Lord, right now across this room, Father God, as men and women grab that prayer and start to put it over that person's life, Father God, I just pray that it releases blessing in the life of every, every human, every man, woman, and child in this house who can do that right now by faith. Because we have everything we need. Jesus we don't have to look to be owed anything from them because God has given to us more than enough in Jesus Christ we thank you for this in his wonderful name and folks why don't we join together with the guys on the platform we're going to sing Christ is enough thank you for listening to this podcast 